So good morning. We are so glad that you're with us today. And so I had a brand new series that I was going to start today, but I decided that I was going to postpone that because of what's going on in our city, in our country, uh, and even in our church. So today, uh, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to have just a family talk and and I'm going to do it even if you do mind because uh, it's, that's who Pastor Dan is. And uh, I, I want to start by laying a foundation for what I want to say today. And, and this is what I want you to hear me to say. Hear me say this is probably one of the most important things that you will know about Jesus, about the church, about God, about our city. And that is simply this. From the foundation of the church, from the day that Jesus laid the foundation of the church, the church was laid with the idea that it was for every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group, and that those, all those people were in equality and all those people were side by side in worship and in praise and in importance and all the things that the scripture says. And so that is such an important part of our understanding of scripture. Now, here's what I'd like you to do today. I'd like you to think about heaven. I want you to think about a thousand years from today. I doubt if any of you will be living still on this planet a thousand years from today, and I don't think the planet will be in existence as we know it, but I, I think we're going to be in heaven uh, by then. I hope I am. And I want you to think I, what that's going to be like. I want you to imagine what the streets of heaven are like, what the neighborhoods in heaven are like. It is a place of complete unity with no division whatsoever, with no distraction. The glory of the Lamb is in the center of all of that. And all of us together with one voice and with one heart, we love the Lamb and we love what he has done for us and we love one another. Now I want you to come backwards with me for just a few minutes. When Jesus taught us to pray, this is how he taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you and I are supposed to be praying into existence on earth the things that will be realities in heaven. That's what Jesus, that is how Jesus taught us to pray. So that brings us to the, our present reality of way, the way things are. And I, I don't think anyone would deny, I hope you wouldn't deny, that we are faced with a huge problem of racism in our culture. And it has not gone away. It is not going to go away until there are certain things that happen that are different than are happening today. So I want to address some of those things that are so important. And I want to, I want to just tell you that uh, my heart is grieved by the, things that I, by the things that I see, by the hatred, by the violence. All those things are outside of the boundary of God. And uh, I, just, I just want you to know that my heart is grieved over all of that. But I want to tell you a little bit. I just want to help you understand maybe just a little bit about how it feels to be an African-American in our culture. So for me, I, I'm just going to be honest, I, I was raised in a small community, and, and so I, it wasn't very racially diverse at all. And so I, I was never raised in a racially diverse community. And so I really didn't experience any of that. And even, and even to the city that I came in in 1970, it wasn't very racially diverse. And uh, so... I am the last person to be an expert on, uh, on that subject matter, but I am smart enough to know that if I want to know something, I call the people that do know about that. So I had some conversations this week with some of my African-American friends. 
So I called him up and I just, you know, just said, tell me, talk to me. If you had a voice today, if you had a voice today uh, to speak to the city of Reno, how would you, what would you want to be said? And uh, what I heard was pretty incredible. The kind of racism that happened to some of my friends uh, is unacceptable. I have a friend that I, uh, his name is Clarence, and I called him up, and he was a student of mine when I, when I taught at Multnomah. And uh, after his class was over, he and I just connected, and, and we've been friends for years. And so I called Clarence up, and I said, Clarence, talk to me. I want to I hear from your perspective. I want you to just school me. I want you to tell me what it would be like to live in this culture in this time with the color of skin that you have. And uh, what he told me was fairly appalling. And uh, he, he told me about a company that he worked for, and I won't name the company, but until recently, until, this, is in, this is, you know, not too distant past. He said that this particular company, which is one of the larger employers in this county, uh, had a policy that they couldn't have more than three African-Americans on any one team. And, uh, you know, you think about that. You think about that kind of pressure and that kind of thinking. When you walk into the room, everybody sees you in a different perspective. And then I reached out to some of the kids that were raised here at Grace Church, African-American kids that were raised here at Grace Church. And so I said, tell me what it's like for you and had some interesting conversation around the fact that that uh, they said, Pastor Dan, you don't know what it's like to be pulled over without probable cause, to be put at gunpoint just because I'm driving home or driving in a neighborhood. And I'm just telling you, it is real and it exists. And there is a blindness, I think, for people that have never experienced that uh, to understand what kind of life that produces and what kind of fear is involved, and even what kind of frustration boils over as a result of that kind of racism. I was talking to, I was talking to Eric, uh, one of our, our, our production people here today, and he was a cop for many years in the city, and he was telling me how they would regularly get calls in the city. Before he was retired, they would re regularly get calls in the city saying, we have a black man walking through our neighborhood. And they would say, well, what is, well, what is the crime? Well, he's just suspicious. Well, why is he suspicious? He's a black man walking through a neighborhood. And I don't know that you and I understand what that feels like to be automatically, uh, automatically condemned before we have any opportunity to be right or wrong or to be, to be righteous or unrighteous. That is, that is pretty amazing. And, and just so you understand, from my own personal perspective, I come from a racially diverse family. Uh, my daughter-in-law uh, would describe herself as a person of color, and and uh, she was. I had a conversation on Zoom with her this week, and she was telling me she's her parents migrated here from Bangladesh, and and uh, so she was telling me that she was not working today, but when she was in the workforce just a few months back, at least twice a month, at least twice a month, she would have a racial statement made to her face just blatant racial statement made to her face uh, and the truth is is my daughter is married to an hispanic uh native american and uh, i have watched firsthand the the racism that happens uh to her and to her family 
And so I, I am just learning this process. And so the question then is, is that what are the solutions? What, what can we do? I mean, I hope you all understand that passivity is not something that's an option on the table at this point. If we are going to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Passivity is not a, an option for that. And so I'm going to, you know, I've just been a student. I've been learning. I've been trying to enlighten myself. And so I was listening to a podcast by a friend of mine. He's a pastor over at Bayside. His name is Andrew. He's been here, spoken at Grace Church. He's an amazing pastor, amazing guy. And he suggests that there are two key words that you and I all need to put into our vocabulary and practice. And the first one is listen. You and I need to be a listener. We need to listen without trying to school anybody, without trying to instruct them, without trying to bring anything to the table. We need to listen. And the second thing that we need to do is that we need to lament. Those two words, those two, you know, they're easy to remember. Listen and lament. And I believe that if you and I would practice those things, that things would become immeasurably better in the circles of influence that we have. And uh, I think there's some other things that we can do that we can learn to do. I think, honestly, we can have the attitude that says, not on my watch. I think we need to draw a circle, whatever circle you're going to draw, either around your family or your neighborhood or your city or whatever you're going to do. And you need to have the attitude is, when I see something, I'm going to speak against something. When I see things that are not right, I'm not going to just say, oh, that's the way it is. Oftentimes, just out of passivity, we accept things that are just not right. And if you want to have conversation, if you want to lament and you want to listen, I'm going to say something very controversial this morning that I want you to hear my heart in, and I want you to take this to the Lord and ask the Lord if this is not true. One of the things that shuts down the conversation if you want to make a difference and you don't want to shut down the conversation, one of the things that will shut down that conversation faster than anything is for you, every time you see hashtag Black Lives Matter, if you hashtag All Lives Matter, I'm telling you, it shuts the conversation down. It shows, listen to me carefully, I love you, it shows an insensitivity to the kind of kind of racism that's happened in our culture, a institutional racism, a systemic racism that happens every day. And we're probably more racist than we want to admit in our own life. And the truth is, is it happens in many packages in many forms. So if you want to just shut the conversation down, that that's how you do it. That's what my African-American friends say. Is it just, it would be like this. I, maybe this will help you understand it would be like this. And this is kind of a piece of humor, but I think it will drive the point home. It would be like my wife asking me, honey, do you love me? And I said to her, I love all people. That's what it feels like. I mean, that wouldn't fly in my family. And, and I, I, you have to enter into, why wouldn't we just want to lament with somebody? So here's what I want you to do. We're going to take some questions in just a few minutes. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to read Romans chapter 12 and 13 this week. The Bible is so real and so relevant because everything that I'm talking about is in Romans chapter 12. 
We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And so the point is, is that you've got to ask the question, why do I need to, why do I need, why do I feel the need to school people when really what I need to do is lament and mourn what's happening inside of their lives? Why do I need to school them? When the, the truth is, is all of my Christian black American friends, all of them know that all lives matter. I don't need to school them. I don't need to remind them of that. I don't need to remind myself of that. I know that we're operating with that fundamental truth that all lives matter. But right now, it's time to lament for people who are suffering. And so with that thought in mind, Karen, where are you? Come on up. And uh, we're going to take a few questions along the way. And uh, we'll do the best we can to get to some of them. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. So you can text your questions into 775-644-0950, and we'll get to the ones that we can. Um, I would like to start with one thing that's kind of obvious to me. Um, what is your response to the fact that we are a predominantly, like vastly predominantly white church, and... Also, why are there no black people in leadership at the highest level or even on staff at Grace Church? Okay, so I want to say that grieves my heart too. I mean, I, I just honestly would love to have people in our midst, in our highest levels of leadership of color. I mean, I do. I really want that. There is a, there, in, when you look at the demographics of our, of our culture, you need to understand that, that, uh, Reno doesn't have a high demographic there of people of color in terms of, and in particular, African-Americans. And so it's our desire, our hope, our prayer that uh, God brings to us people of, of uh, African-American descent to be able to put them in the highest levels of leadership here at Grace Church. And that's my heart. I think it reflects the heart of the leaders around me. That's, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, here's one that just said, great, um, great calling out the all, the all lives matter, the black lives matter thing. With that in mind, what is your suggestion on how we should respond on social media? This thing has become so inflamed on social media. As a matter of fact, um, one person said to me last week, I feel frozen I feel like I can't have a voice in, in any way. How do we respond and enter into this conversation on social media as, as white people? I mean, you're speaking to white people right this minute. Yeah, that is a great question. And I, I'm going to say that what I think the Bible teaches us, and I don't think there's any argument here, is that what has to happen is humility. Without humility, the conversation stops. So the bottom line is, is that where humility begins is by just owning, owning the fact that perhaps you've been passive, owning the fact that you're sorry, owning the fact that you're willing to change. You're willing to see things in a different way than you've ever seen them before. And so I think it begins with just what we put on Facebook this week was, I'm sorry. We're sorry. We're learning. We're trying to understand it in a different way. And so uh, I just believe with all my heart that God always honors humility. Mm -hmm. And so if we start with humility, that's where we start. Mm -hmm. Can you address what's happened in your heart in the last, um, say, two or three weeks? Because I've, 
I've seen things change. I've seen your mind not change, but you grow or become more enlightened in this matter. Can you talk about that process? Yeah, so for those of you that know Grace Church and know me, you know that I, I have always spoken against racism. I've, I've said it publicly. Uh, I can remember even over when we were in that building that I said that we will not tolerate any racism here, and I had someone get up and walk out of our services, slam the door, and, uh, and you know, as they were doing it, they were staring me down as they were walking out the door. And so I want you to know that it's not that I haven't always hated ra- racism breaks me. It really does. It, it, it ruins me because I, I know the heart of God. I think probably what has changed in the, last, in the last few weeks is just watching the level of frustration that happens and seeing the level of pain. What we're seeing is pain in our culture. It, it is just pain. It's pure pain. And pain expresses itself in a lot of ways. And I need you to understand that I'm not suggesting everything that's happening is out of pain. Some of it is just out-and-out rebelliousness and evil. And there's, there's lots of evil going on that has nothing to do with the subject matter at hand. It's just people taking opportunity to do what they want to do in an evil way. So we would never, we would never endorse that in any way, shape, or form. But what I've seen that's changed my heart and softened my heart and made me say I've got to get in the game in a different way is the level of pain that I see in people's eyes and faces as they see such a broken circumstance. Mm. Okay, here's one that says, why, I I presume this is from um, a white person, why am I labeled as the issue when I have never been racist or looked at other races in another light? So the, the answer is, is that that may, that may be true, that you have never done it, but uh, and I, I, no one is putting a label on anyone that they don't deserve. I would say that if the shoe fits, you have to wear it. If the shoe doesn't fit, you don't wear it. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a racist either, but I think there are things in my life that I've done that have been passive, that have added to the problem, not solved the problem. And so the question that we have to all look at is what areas of passivity have we had in our life where we have tolerated that joke at the family dinner table and not spoken against it and say, that's wrong. You can't say that here. So what I'm addressing is is we're not trying to call anybody out. We're just saying there's a real problem. It hurts. And if we would just humble ourselves, we could be a part of the solution. True. This one says, I realize that because I don't see color and I have friends of color, that racism isn't a problem for me, but I've never honestly considered it as a problem for them. How do I support them now, right now? So I just want to address, I just had an interesting conversation. Well, I just married a young kid by the name of Robbie Jackson. He's he was raised here at this church. I just what I didn't. Do you mean, what do you mean you married him? Well, I performed his <laughs> ceremony. We didn't actually get married. I performed his ceremony yesterday. He raised here at this church, African American, and uh, so I said that to him. I said, uh, Robbie, I don't I don't see you. I don't see you as black. And he says, Well, I want to be seen as black. I just don't. I just don't want to be rejected. He said, I, I, I don't, I'm not asking anyone to not see my heritage. 
There's differences. All I'm asking you to do is love me for what I do, not what you see in front of me. And that is really the issue at hand is, uh, is it's not, I don't think we can ever just not see color. God has created a colorful world and there is diversity and he wants us to acknowledge that diversity. He just wants us to humble ourselves and act towards people that are different than us with kindness and humility and love. Okay, one of the things that has caused, um, you know, a lot of arguing on Facebook and certainly broken a lot of hearts is the violence that's happened since um, these whole protests have started. Um, here's someone said, how can I talk to people when all they want to do is argue with me and start hateful remarks? All I simply state is this issue started with bad cops and there are still good cops. Yes, I, I would say to that is that I, I don't see the issue of bad cops, good cops. I think that th that's probably true. I think what is systemic about this problem is how culture reacts to it. I think when we have a culture that doesn't accept it, the reality is, is that the whole system changes. The whole system changes. And I think that's what we're looking for. It's that there are, I am sure, I, I, you know, I, I, I posted this past week about I'm praying for some of my police officer friends who are in harm's way. And I've met that with all my heart. And uh, those guys are great guys. But I think they're working in a system, in a cultural system that is fairly broken. And I think we need to focus on what is broken and fix that and everything else will fall in place. Uh, this gal says, my fiance is a black police officer in Reno right now. Would you please lift him up in prayer on this public platform? Can we do that? Yes. Yeah. So, Lord, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for this police officer. And we just pray, God, that you would, first of all, uh, let him know that we love him. And, God, I pray that you would protect him and that, God, he's, he's in a tough place. I just pray, God that your spirit will fill him and Lord, your word calls him in Romans 13, a minister of God. And so Lord, we just anoint him with power. We, we stretch our hands out on him today, God, and pray for your power, your protection and your grace in Jesus name. Is stereotyping or generalizing people the same as racism? It, you know, I, let me, I, let me read it again just so everyone gets this. Is stereotyping or generalizing people the same as racism? I think it has the same root. I do. I think it has the same root. And uh, I think we should judge each other by character and by love and by kindness. I think we should strive to judge everybody in the same way that Christ judges us. And that is through his kindness and his loyal love and his sacrifice on the cross. That's how I see it. Okay, uh, this person says, I feel it's not okay as a church to, I feel, I'm sorry, I feel that it's not okay as a church to take a political standpoint on matters like these. We as a church are supposed to help broken people and lead people to Christ, not push an agenda. How do you respond to that, Dan? Uh, I say that this is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. This is an issue that if you look at Matthew chapter 25, 
how the church is judged at the end of the age is how we protect the oppressed. That's the truth. And so if we are putting our heads in the sand and not protecting the oppressed, then we are sinning against a holy God that loves us. And so I would say amen to political issues. We have, been, we, have, we have tried to stay away from the political scene here, Grace, because we believe the gospel is, is the preeminent thing that we're commissioned to do. And just so you know, I'm just going to say something that all my, I have a lot of friends that will, I get emails for this. But I want to tell you, I think one of, the, one of the problems in America is that we are Americans first and Christians second. And I think we need to become Christians first and Americans second. And I believe that with all my heart. Dan, would you, there's lots of questions coming in about the violence against our police officers and the anger that results from that. Um, can you speak to that and as how it relates to the root issue of racism and how to um, make that all work in our minds and prayers? Yeah, and I, the post that I made this week out of Romans 13 on Facebook is that all police officers are ministers of God. And so if you're fighting against, you're fighting against the, a good police officer and you're creating harm for his life, then you're fighting against God. That's, the, that's what scripture has to say. And I stand on that truth. And I, that, that passage in Romans 13 was written uh, in a very oppressive Roman system. The Roman government was not kind. And, and so it says that we're to honor those who have been appointed by God in the government as, as government officials, police officers being that. And so Grace Church would always stand against any violence, any form of hostility towards uh, anybody just because of their position. That, that, you know, that would be as wrong as anything they were talking about. So it is, we have to begin somewhere. So the question is, where do we begin? We begin with humility, and we begin with the right conversation, and we begin with lamenting what's happening to people around us. That's where we begin. And then would you just address, I mean, this is an obvious question. We're all appalled by what happened to George Floyd. Would you just address your heart on that? Yeah, I, I deeply saddened that he was treated the way he was treated. And I'm just going to say that there is going to be in this life no justice for him in this life. When someone's life is taken in an ungodly way, there, there's not going to be, it doesn't matter where it doesn't matter how many people get charged with a crime. It doesn't matter how many convictions there are. Here's what we have to rest in. There's a God in heaven who is just, and he will bring justice in this circumstance. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe that he'll wipe away tears. I believe that he will bring about his justice in his time. The problem is, is that God's wheels grind slower than ours. We want justice now. And God is saying, you'll get justice, and this justice will be perfect. But my justice will always be in my timing. And I just say that I feel deeply for anyone who is abused by the system, who is, whose life is taken, that is, that, is, that is heinous, that's wrong. And I believe, that, I believe that almost everybody listening would agree with that. But I also believe that 
the justice that this, this, this culture is seeking is a justice that will be found when we surrender our lives to Jesus and when we allow his justice to take place. And his justice is always perfect. So here's a practical, practical question. How do we keep our focus on humility for the problem when all we see is resulting violence, looting, and unrest? I, I always believe that Christians should not be react, reactive. I believe that we should just do what's right. And I can't control the results of it. All I've got to do is say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this circumstance, in this? How can I give, how can I pour oil on a bleeding system? How can I pour oil on bleeding people? And I think when we do that, we leave the results up to God and God will bless. God always, he always exalts humility. That's his job. We can't focus on the results. We have to focus on obedience to Christ. And if we just do that, God will take care of the rest. Okay, here's one final question, and then maybe you can just wrap up everything with this. For people who may not know or understand, can you explain systemic as it relates to racism? What is the real problem? Well, you know, when you think about, when you think about the cultural thinking that happened even in the birth of this nation, how slaves were brought here, how they were emancipated, how they went through all the trials and struggles there, this, this problem doesn't start five years ago, doesn't start 30 days ago, doesn't start two days ago. This is a problem that is in a system of thinking that has to be changed. And that system of, of thinking is, that, is, uh, is sinful. And, and so I'm just going to say that when I, when I talk about a, a problem that's in the system, I think it has to do with how people are trained, how people, are, how people think, how people are raised, all that has to be, has to be changed. And uh, I'm not suggesting this, isn't an, this is an easy fix. I'm just saying, if the church doesn't address it, who in the heck will? That's my point. And if we don't speak out against racism, and if we don't deal with it where we can, then I think that we're leaving, we're leaving a huge problem into hands of people that don't know God. And I think that's a, that's a mistake. So my, my hope in prayer is this, is that, um, I mean, everybody, everybody around me are saying, Dan, uh, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, I have a series, a nice series of lies people believe. And uh, it would have been a nice little message for you. And so everybody is saying, you know, are you sure? And I want to look you in the eyes and say, I'm sure. I'm sure. So I hope, I hope that this moves you a bit. And uh, if it hardens you, good night, look at your heart. Please, look at what's going on inside of here. Be a Christian first. Be an, a, a patriot or American second. Look at scripture as a preeminent thing. And with that in mind, we have a couple of projects. One of them I've already told you about. Read Romans chapter 12 and 13 this week. I think it will be very enlightening, enlightening and helpful. And Karen, why don't you tell us about something else that's going to go on? Yeah, so we are a church that believes that prayer changes things. And if you want to change the world, you start on your knees. So today, from 4 to 5, we're 
asking you to join us in a silent prayer uh, for reconciliation. And we have a tool. You can text the word silent prayer. It's all one word, silent prayer, to 411247 for some prayer prompts. And we're going to be doing that today from 4 to 5. There will be a presence on campus. You're welcome to come pray on campus, but this is a silent event. So if you come, um, just be prepared for that. Practice social distancing. We also encourage you to pray from your home, take a walk in your neighborhood, and uh, let God start the work of racial reconciliation um, in our hearts as we cry out to him to heal our land. So today it's a silent prayer, um, either in your home, in your neighborhood, in a park, or right here on property from four to five. And um, we hope that you'll join us. And I'm, I'm very hopeful for what God will do. Amen. Just want to remind you, what I'm asking you to do is two things. You, you, you listen and you lament. Listen to God, listen to others around you, and you lament. And if we do those things, I think we have at least a start of moving some people's hearts. Shall we pray? Yeah. All right. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, God, for the opportunity we've had to gather in your name, even though we're not together today. I pray, God, I pray earnestly that my comments are, are understood from my heart, God, and that understood from your heart. And, God, I know that you hate this more than we hate it. And, Lord, we're asking for you to move in a powerful way. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.